Once there was a time when all the elements of earth, sea, and sky lived on the land together in many, many villages. Many years ago, back in the old country, there lived a holy, sweet couple who loved each other so very much. A long time ago, in a village, somewhere in Tamil Nadu, there lived a monkey. There was once a man, tall and handsome, who met a, a woman, beautiful and elegant, and they fell in love with each other. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Ann Harding, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away, and will bring you back safely. There is a butterfly pavilion near where I live in Colorado. It has an indoor greenhouse where families and schools go to see beautiful butterflies and moths hatch. It's also the home of Rosie the Tarantula, a giant fuzzy spider that you can hold. Now, I hated spiders when I was young. They had eight eyes that could sense the fear in my soul. They could move fast with eight legs, and they were supposedly so poisonous they could kill with just one bite. Now, to be clear, I don't live anywhere close to the part of the world that has those kind of spiders, but they were just, ugh. I had all the classic symptoms of hating spiders, screaming and flailing and panicking when anyone came close. So one day, I decided to like them. I started to curb my reactions. Instead of squishing them, I would take them outside. And now, I let them be if they're not in the way. I'm not brave enough to hold them yet, except for Rosie the Tarantula at the Butterfly Pavilion. She is a sweetie. Spiders, however, are important to fairy and folk tales. The stories of Anansi and beyond, the eight-legged arachnids have an important place in folklore. The first story I have for you is from Alton Chung, a storyteller from Hawaii, who weaves a tale so beautiful, you have to hear it to believe it. Long time ago in ancient Japan, there was a farmer by the name of Yasaku-san, or Mr. Yosaku. Yosaku-san was in his fields early one morning. Compassionate Amaterasu, the goddess of the sun, was just creeping over the eastern hills. When Yosaku-san realized that a spider had formed its web between two of his cabbage plants... Well, that morning dew had settled in, and it looked as if that spider, that black, silver streaks down its sides, was sitting in a necklace of jewels. Oh, Yosaku-san leaned back upon his hoe and took in this glorious sight when he noticed movement behind the spider web. It was a big, black snake, and the snake 
was hungry, and it wanted spider for breakfast. The Osaku-san saw all of this, and his heart opened with compassion for the spider, and he went to go and shake his hoe at the snake to go and try and scare it away. But in doing so, the handle of the hoe got caught in the sleeve of his kimono, and his kimono ripped. But in the resulting confusion, that big black snake slithered off into the tall grass. The spider leapt off its web and went to hide under a cabbage leaf, but before it disappeared, it seemed to Yosaku-san as if the spider turned and bowed to him. A few days later, Yosaku-san was sitting in his house when he heard someone calling to him from his front yard. Yosaku-san! Yosaku-san! Who could it be? He pulled his threadbare kimono around him, and he went to the shoji screen door, the rice paper screen door, and slid it open. Standing in his yard was a beautiful young girl, dressed in a black silk kimono shot through its silver threads. Ohio, Yosako-san, I understand that, that you are in need of a weaver. Uh, I have some small skill with, with wharf and loom, and, and all I ask is uh, for some food and, and a place to stay. Uh, in exchange, I would weave for you. Please, sir, let me serve you. Well, it was true that Yosako-san did need a weaver. So he accepted the young girl. He showed her to his weaving room, showed her his loom, and his supply of cotton. And then he went off to work in his fields. But it was a hot, sticky day. Amaterasu, the goddess of the sun, was high in the sky, beating down upon Yosako-san. And at the end of the day, he was hot, he was tired and sweaty. But still he stopped by the weaving room to see how the weaving maid had fared. Imagine his astonishment when there, on the work table, was not just one kimono, but ichi, ni, san, shi, go, roku, sechi, hachi, eight finished kimono, with fine needlework on the back. There were scenes of waves of grain flowing across a field. You could see individual grain stalks. There was a scene in which a stream flowed through a field, and you could see that as if that water was in constant motion. There was even a picture of Amaterasu in her journey across the sky. Isaku-san was absolutely amazed that anyone could ever even weave this much cloth, let alone finish these kimono with such fine needlework. How are you able to weave so much cloth? Oh, Yosaku-san, that is a question you must never ask me. And you must also never watch me while I work. Well, over the next several days, Yosaku-san's wardrobe of kimono began to grow by leaps and bounds. Now, Yosaku-san was a curious man. And one day he pretended to go off to his fields to work. Instead, he took off his high wooden geta, his wooden slippers, and he tiptoed over to the window of the weaving room and peeked in. <gasps> and what he saw was not a weaving maid. What he saw was a big black spider with silver streaks down its side. 
weaving not just with its two legs, but with ich, ni, san, chi, go, roku, sichi, hachi, all eight of its legs whirling madly as it pulled thread out from its mouth and wove it into cloth on the loom. Yosaku-san, he recognized the spider. This was the spider that he had saved from that big black snake in his fields several days ago. And then he realized that in, in exchange for saving its life, the spider had come to weave for him. He also realized that his supply of cotton was getting rather low. And so Yosaku-san, the next morning, gathered up a big basket of vegetables, and he carried it across the mountain to the village. There he traded in that big basket of vegetables for a big bale of cotton. And he picked up that bale of cotton, and began heading back across the mountain to his farm. But it was a hot, sticky day. Amaterasu was in the sky, beating down upon him. And he paused to rest in the shade of a tree on his way home. He took off that bale of cotton and set it on the ground. And he rested. And as he rested, out from the tall grass there came a big black snake. And that snake wormed its way into that bale of cotton. Unbeknownst Yosaku-san, who, when he was finished resting, picked up that bale of cotton and headed back to his farm. When he arrived at the farm, he presented the bale of cotton to the weaver maid, and she took it into the weaving room. And when she was alone, she closed the shoji screen door, the rice paper screen door, and then transformed himself back into a spider. And she unwrapped that bale of cotton, and she began to eat the cotton. Well, you see, she could take the cotton into her body and turn it into thread. And she ate, and she ate, and she ate, until she was almost finished with that bale of cotton, when suddenly, out from the bottom of the bale of the cotton came... <laughs> Where's your farmer now, spider? I am going to eat you up. And that snake opened up its jaws wide, wide, showing off its big poisonous fangs. Well, the spider was so frightened that it leapt out through the window of the weaving room, and that snake wriggled on after her. The spider tried to run away, but it had eaten so much cotton that it could not run very fast or very far. And soon that snake cornered her. <laughs> it is over now, spider. You are mine. And the snake opened up its jaws wide, showing off its large, poisonous fangs. Meanwhile, up in the sky, compassionate Amaterasu, the goddess of the sun, was looking down upon this scene. She knew that the spider had been saved by Yosaku-san, and in exchange the spider had come back to weave for him. She also knew how that spider had cleverly depicted her, Amaterasu, on the backs of some of Yosaku-san's kimonos. And her heart opened with compassion. And she reached down with a sunbeam and caught hold of a little bit of thread that was hanging out of the spider's mouth. And she pulled, and she pulled, and she pulled, until she lifted the spider up, up, up into the sky, far from the snapping jaws of the snake. And when the spider arrived in heaven, she was so grateful, so very grateful to Amaterasu, the goddess of the sun, that she began to weave for Amaterasu. 
She wove for Amaterasu a pillow, something upon which she could rest in her journey across the sky. And she called that pillow a cloud. And that is the reason why sometimes clouds look like big, puffy balls of cotton. That is also the reason why, in the Japanese language, the word for cloud is the same as the word for spider. Kumo. Are you planning a wedding, a bar mitzvah, a wake? You will need tables, chairs, tablecloths, place cards, silverware, flowers, appetizers, entrees, and of course, you need to hire a band. Consider hiring Ants and Grasshopper Event Services. Our ants will set up the party, cook the food, and lay the tables. Once you and your guests have arrived, our grasshoppers will set the mood with music and merriment. Unless, of course, you're planning a wake and they will be appropriately solemn. Ants and Grasshopper Event Services. Let your party be the talk of the town and the story of the season. While the Butterfly Pavilion might be an ideal place to go and face my fear of spiders, it's a really wonderful place to see a thousand different kinds of moths and butterflies. Do you know the difference between a moth and a butterfly? Butterflies, when they land, hold their wings together, while moths rest with their wings out and on display. Take a look sometime. The next story is by a storyteller, an author, and an all-around amazing gal, Donna Washington, and she tells the story of La Mariposa. Now, I do not speak more than one language. I only speak English, but I do have a few stories that I tell bilingually. This one is a Spanish and English story. Now, I'm not going to speak Spanish. I just know some Spanish words. The story is called La Mariposa, which means the butterfly. And this particular butterfly is the monarch butterfly. And it's one of the most amazing butterflies in the world. The monarch butterfly is poisonous because it eats the milkweed leaves when it's a caterpillar. And it also migrates. This is the only butterfly that migrates 2,000 miles. It goes from Michoacan, Mexico, all the way up to Canada and back again. It's amazing. This story comes from Mexico and explains why the monarch butterfly behaves this way. It's called La Mariposa. And it goes like this. Now, La Mariposa did not always travel from Canada to Mexico. A long time ago, she lived in Mexico in a little house. And she was a very, very good housekeeper. She loved to sweep her front steps. And she loved to cook. It was her favorite thing to do. She would go in her kitchen and she would cook and cook and cook and come up with the most amazing food. But the thing she loved most of all was to go shopping. La Mariposa loved shopping. But she had a problem that lots of us have, and that is she never had any money. Never had any money at all. And so she was always trying to figure out how to get a little money so she could go shopping. And one day, she was sitting in her kitchen and she said, Oh, oh I know what I will do. I will make some pies. I will make six pies and I will go to market and I will sell my pies and then I will have enough money to buy something. 
And so La Mariposa worked and worked and worked, and she made six pies. And she took her pies to market, and she got six pesos. And she put three of the pesos in her pocket, and with her three pesos, she went and bought herself some orange fabric. It was so soft and silky. She was so excited. She went home, and she began to sew. And she made herself a beautiful orange gown. And she put it on, and she looked in the mirror, and she looked good. She said to herself, I am going to go and sit on the balcony so everybody can see my beautiful gown. And so out she went and sat on the balcony and she posed. Well, she hadn't been out there ten minutes when down the road came Don Pero. <laughs> now, Don Pero happened to have a guitar strapped on his shoulder. And he saw La Mariposa up on the balcony, and he could not contain himself. He said, oh, 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 Mariposa, you look good. You look really good. Will you marry me? La Mariposa looked down at him. She said, marry you? Oh, 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 what is wrong with you? You cannot propose like that. Where is the chocolate? I love chocolate. And where is the music? And, and, and where is, where is the singing? Oh, you cannot propose like that. You must bring me flowers and candy. You cannot do it. This is ridiculous. Don Pero said, Oh, well, I don't have any chocolate. And I don't have any flowers. But, but... I could sing to you. I have a great voice, and I am carrying my guitar. She said, all right. If you have a good voice, I promise I will marry you. Okay. And so Don Pero got his guitar. Vroom! Vroom, vroom, vroom! Oh! La Mariposa said, stop! Oh, my goodness, you are a terrible singer! Oh, do not sing to me anymore! Oh, you must go! I will not marry you! I could not live with that! Oh, my goodness, go! Don Pero was really upset. And he went down the road. La Mariposa, oh, my goodness, she could not believe it. She'd never heard anything so terrible in all of her life. Well, a few moments later, down the road came another gentleman, Don Cato. The cat, he looked up on the balcony. He saw La Mariposa up there. He said, La Mariposa, you look good. You never looked that good before. Tell me, will you marry me? She said, marry you? I don't even know you. What is wrong with the men? Where, where are the flowers? Where is the chocolate? I like chocolate. Where is the singing and the music? Where is the courtship? Oh, you cannot just ask somebody to marry them. You must court them first. Tonkata said, well, I have my guitar with me. And I have a beautiful voice. You like my music. Will you marry me? Oh. All right, if you have a beautiful voice, I promise I will marry you. Oh. And so Don Gato picked up his guitar. 
La mariposa said, "Oh, stop! Oh my goodness, that's worse than Don Pedro. I never thought I would hear anything worse than Don Pedro, but that is bad. Oh my goodness, you must go. Don't ever sing anywhere near me again. Oh my goodness." Well, Don Cata was really upset, but Don Cata was not like Don Pedro. Don Cata did not go down the road. Don Cata slipped up underneath the balcony, went around the house. Opened the front door, went into the house, up the stairs, into La Mariposa's bedroom, and then he went under the bed, curled up, and went to sleep. La Mariposa, oh, she just stood on the balcony, thinking perhaps she should go inside if this is the sort of thing she was going to engender in the menfolk. And then she heard. She looked down and she didn't see anybody down there, and then she heard it again. And she looked way down, and there, almost directly underneath her balcony, was Don Ratoncito, little brown mouse. He smiled up at her, and he held up flowers, and La Mariposa said, "Oh, flowers!" And Don Ratoncito held up chocolates. Oh, I love chocolates! Oh, and then he sang some more. And then he smiled a shy little rat smile, and said, "La Mariposa, will you marry me?" And she said, "Of course, I will marry you." Oh, how sweet! And so the two of them went to town and had a big wedding, and they danced and ate and danced and ate and danced and ate and danced and ate all day and into the night. And they got home so late they were so tired. They went into the house upstairs and they just fell in bed to go to sleep. Well, about midnight, Don Ratoncito, oh, his mouth was so dry. Probably because of all those dances and all that food, and he got up to get some water, and he never came back. La Mariposa waited for a bit, and then she said, "Don Ratoncito." He didn't answer her. Ratoncito mio, are you coming back? From under the bed, she heard, "He's never coming back." Oh, La Mariposa was so upset. She sprang from her bed and got a broom and beat that cat right out of the house. But that didn't solve the problem, of course. Poor Don Retoncito. La Mariposa sat and she just started crying. The next day, her neighbors came to bring her food and wish her well, and then they heard about the fate of poor Don Retoncito, and the party turned into a funeral. It was so sad. La Mariposa took her last three pesos. She went to market and she bought herself some black fabric. She sewed the black fabric into her orange gown, which is why the monarch butterfly is orange and black. 
and living in her little house seemed so lonely. And she said to her friends, no, 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 I will not live here again. I'm going to leave. And they said, where will you go? Any place you stop, you might take someone else's food. You, you can't just decide to go somewhere. She said, no, I will go nowhere. I will just travel so I will not bother anybody else. And so that is why the monarch butterfly travels from Michoacan, Mexico, up to Canada and back again. And they said to her, what will you eat? If you go into another animal's territory, you might eat their food. She said, well, then I will eat what nobody else will eat. Which is why the monarch butterfly lays her eggs on the milkweed plant. And the caterpillar comes out and eats the milkweed, which no other animal will eat. And the sap of the milkweed is what makes the monarch butterfly poisonous. And that is the story of La Mariposa. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show notes and more information about the storytellers you heard today can be found at storystorypodcast.com forward slash episode 17. Show the love. Find Alton Chung and Donna Washington on Facebook. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. In many fairy tales, the magic number is three, so I have three things for you to do. First, like and rate the show on iTunes. It helps others find the podcast. Second, join the mailing list. You will get the podcast delivered to your inbox, plus other news and other storytelling-related goodness. Third, consider becoming a supporter. For $4 a month, you can help support the podcast. And this season, I have wrangled together some incredible storytellers to create Story Story Shorts. The short for this episode is by Pam Farrow, who does a beautiful rendition of The Wind and the Sun. You can find out how to support us and join the mailing list on storystorypodcast.com. And a huge thank you to our ongoing supporters. If you would like to stay connected, you can find me and the podcast on Facebook and Twitter. I post a visual for every fairy tale sponsor, so go take a look at Ants and Grasshopper event services and tell me if you would hire them. Let me know the favorite story you have heard on the podcast or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you'll hear them here soon. Next episode, I have stories for you about cats and oranges, knives, and jealousy. It will make sense if you listen to it. I hope you'll join me again, and until then, live happily ever after. The wedding lasted for seven days. I know. I was there. I would cross 27 countries, wear out three pairs of boots, battle two giants, and the grandmother of all witches, Baba Yaga, before I was reunited with my frog princess. But that's a story for another time. The last thing he said before he died was a curse on anyone who would dare to go sing with the fans. Just because a story is strange mistake. It can also be true.